try and get a greater, newer revelation. Now, this is 2019. It's my first message that I am preaching in 2019. I want to assure you that in this year, we are not turning away from the gospel of God's love and grace to another gospel. We're going to stick with the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the good news and the gospel of God. From this perspective, we are going to just look at Scripture and find that truth everywhere in Scripture and see how the Holy Spirit brings forth a manifestation of that into our lives. You know, I've been uh, reading the Scriptures and studying for many years. And in December, I said to my wife, I think that I've come to a place where I basically understand what Paul was preaching and what he was saying to the people and what his gospel is. And what is left for us now is basically to have a life born from that truth. So I actually want to say more life or more areas of our life or to see this in a greater way uh, revealed and manifested in our lives. You know, you can have a truth uh, and then you can have a life born from that truth. Now, we know in the grace message, it's not about our power. It's not about what we must do for him. But simply to know and live in the hope that this message promises. That is what there is for us. And from this perspective, I'm not saying I know it all or uh, that uh, I've come to the end of what I can learn. There's so much that I believe I can still learn. Yet I do feel that we as a web church, all of us, we've come to a point where we understand the gospel in its simplicity as Paul preached it. He preached the resurrection. He preached the power of God. He preached the life of God in the sense of a human being, Jesus, put in the Godhead, united with God, to the point that we can actually even call him the everlasting father uh, that is what we understand and the hope is then eternal life and since we are now part of a kingdom of life that life manifests in us and we effortlessly share in the life of god that's basically the gospel uh, now today i'm going to take that simple gospel and we're going to look at a concept in the bible and i'm going to preach about this for a few weeks uh, the concept of the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? And what is the gospel of the kingdom? You know, we've had kingdom theology in the church for a very long time. But the kingdom theology was actually, uh, to a certain degree, well, the way I understood that people preached it, was to a certain degree a kingdom theology wherein it is still us manifesting the kingdom of God or wherein we live and we have to bring forth and manifest the kingdom of God. Now, the way I see the gospel of the kingdom is in a slightly, or I would say it might be a slight word change, but a world difference in what, it, what I see it truly is. So we're going to look at this kingdom. What is this kingdom? What is the gospel of the kingdom? I remember there was time when I was thinking, well, uh, the kingdom of God is 
in the earth and I must therefore rule and reign. And now I'm going to reign over all sickness. I'm going to reign over all sin. I'm going to go about and uh, empty out all hospitals, doing all those kind of things. And what I basically did was I took what God said he would do in Christ. And I said, well, I'm now going to do it. I'm now going to bring it forth. What God has promised can only come forth by God fulfilling his promise and by us trusting in him and his spirit bring forth life in us from where we see the fruit is actually the end goal. That is what he's going to bring forth. But I'm going to get right into Isaiah 40 here and uh, we're going to just look at Isaiah 40 verses 1 to 5 verse by verse. It says here, comfort my people. Comfort my people, says God. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem. Cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished and that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sin. The voice of him that cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert the highway of our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now we've also looked at this comfort here in uh, Psalm 23 during our communion. Now these messages, when we save it, we cut out the communion. We just save the message part of it. And I'm going to just quickly go to Psalm 23 again and look at this comfort. Uh, so Isaiah comes and God speaks to him and he says, Comfort my people. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem. That is what God is saying. He's saying, Speak comfortably. Declare comfort to Jerusalem. Cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. Now, this warfare doesn't talk about spiritual warfare where we bind the devil over the town, where we try and rebuke the devil out of everything. The war that he's talking about here and the iniquity that is being pardoned actually talks about the war wherein man is trying to live and not die. That is what he's trying to say here. Now, um, <coughs> we need to understand that humanity had a battle from the day that Adam disobeyed God. The battle that they were in was the battle to stay alive. You remember the end of last year I spoke about finances and I said the message of the resurrection and the promise of eternal life is what sets us actually free from the fear of uh, not having money because our mind connects money to life. And we are in a battle to make a living. You remember, I mean, those words. What do we do when we work? We're making a living. It's like we making a living wherein we are actually creating life. That's why the, the human mind calls it like that. We don't say I work. We say I'm making a living. Or are you making a living? Uh, do you get a right to live? And that was the battle that humanity was in from the beginning. The battle that mankind is in is actually the battle for life. And what he's saying here is, he's saying, comfort my people. Speak comfort. 
to my people. Speak comfort to Jerusalem. Cry unto her that her war, or actually then her war for life is over, that life has conquered death, and that life now belongs to her. That is what they're actually saying. Now you might say, Bertie, that is reading stuff into the text there that is not actually supposed to be there. I don't think that I read into the text. Uh, I believe that the context of Psalm 40, uh, Isaiah 40 is explained. If you read the whole of Isaiah, and you especially from chapter 40 onwards, you will see how it's all about the servant of the Lord, which is Jesus, which comes to give eternal life. That is what it is all about. So in the greater context, in the context of the New Testament, in the context of fulfilled prophecy, this refers to the, um, the end of the war for life. We're not making a living. We're not trying to make a living anymore. We are now partaking about living or the life that God made for humanity. That is what it's all about. And that brings comfort for us. For we are not stressing anymore on how to have life. Now let me go to Psalm 23. Uh, Psalm 23. During our... Uh, I think we ran an update on the software and something changed on the a sound setting. Uh, that you could get sound through our monitors and stuff, but it wasn't streaming, so uh, we didn't pick that up. So some of you missed out, or most of you missed out on the communion message and what I try to say there. But let me get back to it. This is Psalm 23, and we're reading from verse 1. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. How many of you will remember that we preached last year that the soul is actually your life? Your life, the life you live, and the very fact that your soul will then have eternal life. You will live forever. So he restores our soul. Now, Adam was a living soul, and this, the Bible says, the soul that sin shall die. So what happened with humanity is death passed over all of man. And what God has come to do is to restore our soul. He's come to restore our life. And here uh, David comes, he says, he restores my soul. He restores my life. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Because remember that David believed that if you walk in the paths of righteousness, you will live. So he's talking about the paths of righteousness that God leads us in unto the restoration of our souls to rescue us from death or to rescue him from death. That is what he's talking about there. He explains in verse 4 what he's meaning. He says, yes, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What is the evil? Evil is then to die. Though I walk in a place where there's a promise and the fear of death, I will not fear this. Why? Because you are with me and your rod and your staff comforts me. Can you see how David comes and he talks about the restoration of his life unto 
life where he talks about being led in the paths of righteousness. You remember last year what we spoke about the paths of righteousness. Righteousness is God's act of doing what is correct and right towards man. Wherein the righteousness of God is actually the equitable deed of God towards man in bringing life to man. That is what he is saying. So when we read Isaiah 40, he says, comfort my people. How will God's people be comforted outside of the message that God has conquered their iniquity. Iniquity is simply um, that which was found inside Satan when he said, I will have life by my own works. Where, how will we have comfort unless we know that God has conquered our iniquity? He's conquered the system wherein man said that he is a self-existing being and he will find life by his own works. How will man be comforted outside of that message? You know, you can comfort me by telling me, um, you know, Bertie, we're going to give you, uh, let's say there's some kind of a trouble and my kid, kid is ill. And you say, we're going to help you and pay for the hospital bill. Now, that will bring some kind of a comfort. But why will there be some kind of a comfort? Because there's a, some form of a promise of life. That I'm not going to sit in jail and lose my life because I cannot pay the hospital bills or kind of have my soul or my life changed in this world because I cannot pay bills. There's, there's some kind of promise. But that promise cannot give me eternal or true comfort. The only true comfort that can come to a human Eternal comfort, a comfort that sets into the depth and the core of your being is the comfort that says your iniquity is pardoned and that the war for life, the war for making a living is actually over. That, that is what it is all about. And we need to see that and we need to understand that. That is what God has come to give to us. Um, so Isaiah 40 says... Comfort my people, comfort my people, says God. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare or her battle for life is over and that her iniquity, that which brought death and destruction, is pardoned for she has received of the Lord's hand double for her sin. What that means is, and I've read different commentaries say this, and heard different preachers preach it this way, what it means is that we have received, or Jerusalem has received, double blessing from the Lord's hand. That's what it actually means. It says here, your iniquity is pardoned, for you have received, of the Lord's hand, double for your sin. Now, if you think that punishment is, uh, th th this refers to punishment, wherein God says, you can tell people that their iniquity is pardoned, for God double punished them. How can that be righteous? You cannot receive. I mean, if, if I've committed a crime, and I, n I need to pay a $1,000 fine, and now I can tell, the judge tells me, well, I'm, 
I'm fining you $2,000 so that you can really know you've paid your debt. That's unrighteous. That's not righteous. So it doesn't make sense to say that people's iniquity is pardoned for God double punished, what double punished people. No. What he's saying is here, your war is over and your iniquity is pardoned for you have received basically, and I believe this is what it's saying, uh, instead of of where you are missing the mark it says here you've received double blessing or a absolute great form of life in the area where you were missing it what did jesus come to do he came to forgive us of our sin what is sin you remember last year we preached about this sin means to basically not to have a share in, not to partake in the very life that God has come to give us. Not to have a share in, not to partake of your inheritance, not to inherit that which is given to you. Now the pardoning of sin means to inherit. So how will we, how are our sins pardoned? How can we now I mean, what is God having in mind here? He says, comfort my people by basically telling them that they have an inheritance of eternal life. That's what I see here. For she has received of the Lord's hand doubled for her sin. And then it goes on and what it's, what it's talking about, explaining all of this, it says, the voice of him that cries in the wilderness, talking about John the Baptist, declaring now the Messiah's rule. He says, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. How did John make a way for the Lord? How did he make a highway? He was basically declaring that man cannot be saved by his works. He declared to the Jewish people that God can out of these rocks bring forth children unto Abraham, that all people are sinners and that we are in need of a Savior, a Messiah. That was what he's talking about, and that we should have no confidence in the flesh. That was the way that was made in the desert, wherein the Messiah would come and lead us out of the desert. Amen. Let me just say that again. I don't want you to miss that. He's saying, comfort my people, speak comfort, comfort to Jerusalem, cry unto her that her war to make a living, or a war to live, is over, and that her sin is pardoned her iniquity is pardoned or the condition wherein you you don't have an inheritance is taken away and you have an inheritance now a great inheritance such a great inheritance that we can say iniquity and sin is taken away we are heirs that's what he's talking about then he says the now he explains those two verses in the next three and actually in the rest of the chapter he says the voice of him that cries in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the lord so how do we comfort the people by telling them uh, by preparing a way in the desert which is john the baptist preaching about uh, the coming of the messiah and this is what the messiah will do he will say every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Okay, let's look at what that means. 
When the Bible talks about a valley and a, and a hill, I believe in this case and in many references, it talks also about nations, it talks about leaders, it talks about people. So when it talks about, uh, the Bible also says the mountains and the hills will clap their hands. So what does a mountain and a hill have a hand to clap? It talks about people. That's what it talks about. And it says here that the mountains and the hills shall be made low. What does that mean? I believe what he's talking about here, and what he's talking about John the Baptist, he was taking the mountain, or the great mountain that there was standing, which was uh, that we are the people of God through ethnicity, or that we are the people of God through obedience to the law and our works. He was saying, taking that mountain wherein some people saw themselves higher as others, he was making that low, and he was making the Gentiles, which was just a valley, and which was down there in the, in the eyes of the Jews, he was lifting, lifting them up by um, taking both Jew and Gentile and, and putting them in one man, in Christ, making all people equal. That is what he's talking about. He's saying that the valley shall be exalted. And the mountain and the hill shall be made low. So when he comes and he says, your warfare is over, your iniquity is pardoned. And then he comes and he says here that um, it talks about John the Baptist talking about a way. And all of a sudden, the, he talks about high places made low and low places made high talking about a crooked way that is made straight and a rough place that is made plain. What is he talking about here? He is actually referring to the end of the law system or living by the power of the flesh where our security is in our flesh, in our works. That is what he is talking about. That is what he is referring to here. Remember, the hills and the mountains and the valley, the way it is here mentioned here, should be seen as that which God has come to end. What did he end? He ended the system of we are this high nation and we look down on the other nations and the other nations look up to the other, to a greater nation and all of those kind of things because some of them have the law and some don't have the law and all of that. And that is what John the Baptist declared. John the Baptist came and he declared, he said to the Jews, he said to them, listen, uh, you are sinners. And the Jews went and they baptized, got baptized by John the Baptist with the same baptism as what the Gentiles got baptized with, which was a baptism of a declaration that they are but sinners and that they are in need of a Savior and that they now are awaiting the Savior to bring them salvation. Can you see how the mountains has been made low and the valleys has been exalted where all people are now on the same plane? It says also here that the crooked shall be made straight and the, um, and the rough places plain. The crooked, what is talking about here? And the crooked way shall be made straight. What is the crooked way? The crooked way is the way of works righteousness. That way wherein um, you would know how difficult it is to be in the way where things are crooked. 
the law system, or I don't want to say the law system, just the law system. We living by our own works, trying to make a living by our own ability, is a crooked way. It's crooked to think. And you, I'm sure many of you can identify with that. When you were under the law, you, will, you found how, crook, excuse me, how crooked that system is. It's a crooked system. It's not a, a system that is straight and clean and that can wash you and that makes sense. It is, uh, you do these ten things, then God will do those things. And then uh, God saw the sin of Adam and Eve and then he decides to punish other people for it, punish Jesus. It's crooked. It's a crooked system. It says he's going to make the crooked straight. And the rough places, plain. you will know how rough it was when you were in the law. You can remember that. It talks about having life by your own works and how rough that system is. He's come to end that for us. Now all of that has to do with a kingdom that has come or a kingdom that is coming to this world. We were talking about Isaiah 40 here for most of the service so far. And this, I say this because we will find that Jesus, just after his baptism, went and preached the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God is now at hand. And this, this is from Matthew 4. I'm going to read Matthew 4 verse 17. It says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, what is this kingdom of heaven? We have declared the kingdom of heaven for many years as, the, as a kingdom inside heaven. There's a difference between the kingdom of heaven and a kingdom inside heaven. You know, so just thank you so much. Elena just brought me some water. Thank you, my Scott. So um, this kingdom that we are looking at, this kingdom of life, this kingdom of heaven, is, doesn't mean that this kingdom is only in heaven. It means it is the rule of heaven. You know, I can be in South Africa, and years ago, the United Kingdom, uh, we were colonized by them. And the kingdom, the United Kingdom came here. And we would say, this is the kingdom of the English. So now Jesus comes, and he basically declares, and he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? It means that the way God is doing things is now at hand. And that talks about Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, wherein it is saying, Comfort my people, speak the comfort of eternal life to them, make straight the way of the Lord. This whole thing about some people living by the law and by the law they must bring life to other nations and all those kind of things. That is over. That crooked way is ended. I've come now to bring the right way. God's way of doing things. That's what it's all about. And Jesus, after his baptism and the Isaiah 40 and John the Baptist message took place uh, at Bathabara 
Matthew chapter 3, and we now see in Matthew chapter 4, after Jesus' temptation in the desert, he went and preached that the kingdom of God is at hand. Because the crooked way, which is the way wherein man was living under the logic of Satan, which is, you are what you do, is ending. And the way wherein God is the provider of life, and man is not the producer of life, is now at hand. That is what he's talking about here in Isaiah. So we see here clearly uh, that Isaiah's message is now... uh, coming into fulfillment through John the Baptist. And then after the baptism we find here in Matthew 4.17, this is now Jesus preaching and saying, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then verse 23 says, And Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is the good news that the kingdom of God is now here. Hallelujah. Uh, Imagine if you were in a country that was really oppressed and another country takes that country over and you can now go with the good news of a new king that has taken over your country wherein there was oppression, wherein there was uh, uh, slavery, wherein there was absolute abuse and the murder of people. The very good news would be, if you're in a country where you are in absolute slavery, where uh, mothers and fathers are separated, where, uh, where, think of um, Russia, and think of the concentration camps and all those kind of things. When, I'm sure, when they got news that the rest of the world is coming in and bringing deliverance there, they, would, they were happy for the rule of the other kingdom coming over them now, ending the oppression that they are in. And that is what Jesus is basically saying. And this is what Isaiah is saying. He is saying, comfort my people with a message that I'm giving them life. And then Jesus came and he said, this rule is now at hand. And he went everywhere and preached the good news that the kingdom of heaven is now also ruling over the earth, that its rule is now at hand. It's the beginning of the manifestation of God taking over the earth by his, through his rule, wherein as it is in heaven, In heaven is life. Life now also comes to earth. And earth is now under the domain and the rule of heaven and not the work of the devil and the logic of Satan. I want to go to uh, Galatians 1 verse 16. Now I think I've given a very good introduction here on uh, um, how comfort comes. And comfort comes to us through the gospel. The gospel is the message of God's kingdom that is on the earth, which further defined is the message that Jesus has conquered sin and conquered death. That is what it's all about. Now, Paul comes in Galatians 1 verse 6 and he says the following. He says, 
I marvel that you are so soon removed from them that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so, so say we again, if every man preach any other gospel unto you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For, I, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Now, Paul is talking about a gospel that he preached. And the gospel that he preached was the gospel of Christ. Um, what is this gospel of Christ? This gospel is that Jesus is the Messiah of all people and that he has not come to deliver the Jews from the Greeks, but that he has actually come to deliver both Jew and both Greek, both uh, Jew and both Gentile from a common enemy, which is iniquity and death, and that he has come to comfort them, and that the comfort is now at hand, and that the comforter, the spirit of life, is poured out, and that we can now be comforted with eternal life. That is what he's talking about. That is what he is declaring. That is what Paul is saying. And he was saying, why are you turning to another gospel? Why are you turning to another gospel? So I want to say to you that we are not going to turn to another gospel. I've given you a good introduction on what the gospel is, what the kingdom is, and how it's going to work uh, in this earth and how it is already starting to work by the work of God in Jesus Christ and that he is the Christ and the Messiah that he is also come to bring another comforter Jesus came to comfort how did he comfort he comforted by conquering death then there's now another comforter what is this who's this comforter it's the spirit that comes from the power of this resurrection that now comforts us by manifesting this manifesting the comfort of the resurrection in our lives. And that's how we are comforted, with the very life of God. Now he says, I'm, a, I'm amazed that you so quickly turned away from uh, the gospel to another gospel. Now Paul didn't say that he was amazed that people turned away. He says, I'm amazed that you are so soon turned away. You know, when you read Paul, you realize that you find great optimism in his writing you find a great depth in revelation of what he has seen in the old testament and how it uh, and and what he concludes great hope but you also find like an underlying depressing a pressure if you want to call it like that uh, a kind of a little bit negative uh, in this writing in Galatians, where he says, listen, I knew you were going to fall away, but I'm surprised that you so soon fell away. I'm, a, I'm surprised that you so soon fell away from this message unto another gospel, which there is no other. So <laughs> I just want to say this to you, if, and I just want to bring this in quickly. It's a bit of a side road here, but 
Maybe you are bringing the message of grace to your family. Maybe you are sharing links and you find that there is a spark of life in people's eyes for a moment and then they fall away and those kind of things. Don't be discouraged. Don't let that be a sign to you of the gospel is not working or God is not for you or any of those things. Not at all. It happened to the Apostle Paul as well. God is busy with his people and let him manifest his kingdom. Let him bring forth this kingdom that he has already brought into the earth. Let him manifest his victory in your life and in people's lives. Don't you be the one that makes the kingdom work. Okay, I just felt that I want to bring that in there a little bit. We see here in Galatians that Paul says we don't turn to another gospel. We stick to this simple gospel the message that god has conquered sin and death for us now i'm going to end off by looking at galatians 1 verse 23 1 corinthians 15 verse 12 and also 1 corinthians 15 verses 1 to 3 when we look at the gospel what is this gospel it says here in galatians 1 verse 23 but they had heard only that he which persecuted us in in times past now preaches the faith which he once destroyed. Galatians, Paul comes, he says that he is now preaching the faith. What was the faith? It was the gospel of Christ. It was the gospel of the kingdom. What is this faith that Paul preached? The faith that Paul preached is recorded in 1 Corinthians fifteen twelve. It says, now if Christ be preached, and this is Paul preaching, that he rose from the dead. So what is the faith that Paul preached? Paul didn't preach the typical uh, word of faith message. We faith for a breakthrough. We faith for this money. We faith for this. We faith for things. No. When the Bible talks about that Christ was preached and that the faith was preached, he's talking about the belief that Jesus was raised from the dead. The persuasion that there was a resurrection and now the belief and the hope that there will be a resurrection of all those who are submitted to his rule and are not made out to be his enemies. Okay, that is what he's talking about. Let's read Galatians 1 verse 23. Galatians 1 verse 23, Paul is coming and he's actually talking, standing in defense of, basically defending himself here a little bit. And he says that there were certain people that only heard that he which persecuted the church in the past now preaches the faith. So what was Paul preaching? He was preaching the faith. And now Paul declares what the faith is in 1 Corinthians fifteen twelve. He says, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead. So what was the faith? was the message that Jesus was raised from the dead. It says, how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? So, when we look at the kingdom of God, we are basically saying that the kingdom of God is the rule of God over the earth, wherein there was a kingdom of darkness and death, but now, through Christ who became a human and or the human being Jesus who as a human went 
and sat at the right hand of God and conquered all authority that there was on the earth, which led unto death, and that all authority was given unto him, and that this earth, this physical earth, is now the domain of God, wherein not the kingdom of the devil or the kingdom of darkness of condemnation or accusation rules, but where he is now ruling and manifesting his rule on the earth. That is what he's saying. So he's saying, the message of the kingdom is, God, who is in the kingdom of, whose kingdom is a kingdom of life and light, has taken over and defeated the logic and the one who brings death to the earth. And now, this earth is under his jurisdiction and his rule. And it will never be taken away. And the message is now that the kingdom is now at hand. And we are preaching the good news that the kingdom of God has conquered the kingdom of darkness. And that God will manifest his rule here. Now, if you look at a developed country, if they go into, uh, let, let's talk about the old kingdoms. If you go and take a developed country, you go into a country where nothing was developed and you take over there, what will happen? It will take time for you to build what is in the developed country in the undeveloped country. It's going to take some time. And I think that is what, how we should look at what God is basically doing in the earth. There's a developed country, heaven, developed with eternal life. That heaven that kingdom has now taken over this earth and now there is a uniting between heaven and earth and now what was built and established in heaven is being built by the builder, God, not us. We are the stones with which God builds. We are not the builders of the house. He is the builder of the house. We are the living stones with whom he is building his temple in this earth. And he is manifesting and advancing heaven to earth. That is what's taking place. And that is taking place inside us. And we are the very place where we find that connection, that temple of God. The, the connection between heaven and earth. In earth, it is me and you. And he is bringing forth that life in us. And that is basically the gospel of the kingdom of God ruling in the earth. There's no comfort for us in seeing the kingdom of God as anything else but the promise of eternal life because of the victory that there is in Jesus Christ. Now, we have said a lot, and I think there's a lot for you to think about. Uh, this year to come, we've got great things. I've got uh, a lot that I would like to do in this year. We, we are uh, going to finish up our, we're we starting seriously to work on the uh, online word school, that there will be online Bible school. We are thinking of launching this in 2020, but there's a lot of work to be done. So I'm going to be very busy with that, making programs there. We're thinking of starting, uh, we have to start a build in Zambia on our mission station there. We're going to do that. And we're going to have a lot of study in this, in this gospel this year. So I want you to know 
that there's a lot for you to learn. There's a, I, I know there's a lot that I would learn about this message without changing the message. <laughs> Glory to God. It's about his kingdom. It's about the resurrection. It's about the restorative justice of God. Glory to God. Well, I want to thank you so much that you have slotted in. Um, and I trust that this message was truly comforting to you today. God bless.